It's Rico Daily. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Cryptocurrencies, everyone's favorite futuristic get-rich-quick scheme, are cratering. If you'd bought $100 worth of Bitcoin at its peak last October, that investment is now worth about 50 bucks. It's not just crypto that's losing its value either. Fintech companies like Robinhood and Coinbase have lost billions in value in recent weeks. And meme stocks like GameStop and AMC, they're tanking too. Even big tech companies are having a hard time. Like, it's ugly out there, man. That's Liz Lopato, who's been covering the crashing market for The Verge. She's here to tell us if we're watching a bubble burst or just witnessing the kind of volatility crypto experts have been warning us about. Look, the stocks have been falling, but some stocks are falling more than others. And so if you're one of those investors who got into the market during the pandemic because, you know, you didn't maybe have anything else to do or it was an interesting thing to do with your time, um, I'm worried about you (laughs) because a lot of the things that people did get into right now are hurting. So how bad are we talking? Like, how does this compare to the dot-com bubble burst of the 90s, for example? I think it's too soon to make that comparison in some ways, right? Because I think there's going to be more carnage, for lack of a better word. Like, we're still sort of at the beginning of this process. But you're right to make that parallel in that there were a lot of retail investors in the dot-com bubble as well. And usually they were in investment clubs. So it was like a group of people would get together and pool all their money and it would be like a mutual fund, except it was like you and your buddies. And so, you know, after that, a lot of people wound up leaving investing because they didn't think they were good at it. They were concerned about how risky it was, um, any of a variety of other things. One thing that I'm gonna be keeping an eye out for is whether we see a repeat of this behavior where people who get burned by crypto or by some of these meme stocks or something else decide that these are assets they don't want to get back into, that they're not interested in continuing to participate in. So for the investors that are still holding on to these meme stocks and fintech stocks, have they passed the point of no return? Is it just all downside from here on out? I mean, it's hard to say, right? Like, if you think about the meme stocks, there are actual businesses underneath those. And so in markets like this, one strategy that you might choose as an investor is you might look for a company that's trading at a valuation that's lower than what would happen if it sold off all of its assets in bankruptcy. Because then if you get in and it goes bankrupt, you get more money back because of the assets in bankruptcy. But if there is upside, you get more upside. And so like one of the things that you need to be thinking about is what is the valuation like relative to the cash flow, the assets these things have? Um, That's not just true for the meme stocks. It's also true for things like PayPal, right? Like I think PayPal is probably going to be okay in the long run. A lot of companies run payments through PayPal. And like even with a downturn in e-commerce, which is what we've been hearing about also on a lot of earnings calls (laughs) this quarter, um, I, I suspect that we'll eventually recover. Maybe I'm mistaken. Always possible. But with something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, the thing that really matters, and this is true, I think, for all cryptocurrency assets, is how many people believe in them, right? Because what you're looking at is an asset that's correlated to people's belief in the asset and nothing else. There's nothing under Bitcoin that Bitcoin correlates to. It's just code and how much people think that code is worth. And so I don't want to say that Bitcoin is going to go to zero because Bitcoin has crashed before and recovered before. 
but that's not impossible either. So in some sense, like, I don't know how much more de-risking we're going to see, but I do think that we are at the beginning rather than at the end of the cycle, especially because, you know, the Fed has raised rates and intends to raise rates more and it's going to be selling off part of its balance sheet. Well, let's back up a little bit. Do we know why this is happening, why it's happening right now and all at once? I think we do. Look, any major sort of market movement has more than one explanation, but I think it's helpful to remember macroeconomic policy. So back in November, which is when a lot of these assets peaked, that was when the Fed said they were going to leave zero interest rate policy. And so if you're not familiar with that, the U.S. Central Bank had set interest rates really close to zero in order to stimulate the economy due to like, you know, the pandemic. Um, and so in that environment, it doesn't always make sense to keep your money in low risk assets because you're not going to earn enough to keep up with inflation. And so at that point, a lot of money comes into the system just sloshing around because people are trying to get some kind of return. So you see SPACs, you see the meme stocks, you see NFTs, all of that stuff starts to get bolstered by all of this money. And like on top of that, you know, like some people think risk is really fun. So you have people who are kind of maybe gambling. And then in November, the Fed was like, yeah, this is going to come to an end. And then the Fed increased interest rates by half a percentage point, which is the biggest increase in 20 years. And they said they weren't done. Um, there's some other weird stuff that's happened too, like obviously Russia invading Ukraine, that like sort of sobered up the markets. But the long-term uncertainty, the interest rate hike, all of that stuff seems to be what like set this off. You know, right after the Fed announced the hike, Stocks were okay for like a day because they were like, well, at least it wasn't like more than half a percentage point. And then like the next day, everything started falling and it's been falling since. And tell us about the fallout here. This is obviously terrible for people who went all in on crypto or meme stocks a few months ago. In your Verge piece, you mentioned a couple of stories that still kind of haunt you. Yeah. So by coincidence, I was going to review a documentary that's coming out on May 15th on MSNBC called Diamond Hands, The Legend of Wall Street Bets. And so I was thinking about this the whole time because it's a lot of interviews with the retail investors who were involved with GameStop. And over and over again, I was hearing people say things like, I never had a savings account. So I thought, okay, I'll get in on this. I need some extra money to get through the pandemic. And then like, they get really, really into it. One of the people who worried me the most was a guy named Matt Kelly, who explained that for him, the reason why this was important was that he has a cyst on his brain and he's worried that if he has more problems and can't work, what happens to his kids? There is like a real impetus for him trying to make money that, you know, he can potentially live on if something goes wrong. And so he describes like during the GameStop phenomenon, like compulsively looking at his phone, like, you know, seeing the number while he's on a work call and like freezing, he stopped sleeping and he had been trading on Robinhood. And when Robinhood and a number of other brokers stopped letting retail traders place orders because they'd screwed up their risk calculations, he was furious. Even though he made $350,000, he sold after the top and felt like he had lost a million dollars. And he got back into GameStop when Keith Gill told Congress that, <laughs> that he liked the stock. And he was one of the people who really was into GameStop very early and like had a thesis about it and who made a lot of money off of the GameStop trade. And so Kelly says things like, oh, yeah, this is like a long term investment for me. I've exited all of my other positions in other companies. It's all just in GameStop. 
And I think it's going to go to a million dollars a share. And like, that strikes me as being magical thinking. And I really, really hope he exited that trade before all of this carnage started because GameStop obviously has been falling quite a bit. Um, That really frightens me. And this isn't just affecting people that have meme stocks and the major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. I've been hearing a lot about stable coins, which I don't totally understand. Is that just like another type of cryptocurrency? Yeah. So the way that stable coins work is that they can often function as like a place where you just stick your money for a hot minute, right? So like you exit a trade from Bitcoin and you know you want to get back into another cryptocurrency in a minute. So instead of like waiting, I don't know, a week to go through anti-money laundering protocols and get everything back in your bank account and then stick it back into cryptocurrency, what you're doing is putting it in something called a stable coin. And those are usually pegged to something. So not all of them, but some. I feel like I'm going to be oversimplifying a lot. But there are treasuries that have assets that they say will back up the value. But if you're thinking about Terra and Luna, which I think a lot of people have been watching this week, what's going on there is considerably weirder. Terra USD is supposed to be a stable coin that's worth a dollar. And the way that it maintains that peg is that there's another token that's like its sister token called Luna. If Terra is worth more than a dollar, one of the things that you can choose to do is get into Luna for cheaper. And if Terra is worth less than a dollar, then it makes sense to burn Luna and get into Terra. And so that's kind of how it maintains its value, basically, is through this sort of arbitrage mechanism. But you may be thinking like, okay, but what props up Luna's value, which is a great question. The answer is nothing. And so, you know, what happened was that Terra depegged. It was no longer worth a dollar. Right now it's worth 38 cents. The Luna token now looks like it's worth about two cents. And if you look back to early April, you're looking at more than $100 for this token. And so what's happening here is that people don't think that it's worth anything anymore because its value relies essentially on consensus, on belief. And so when that belief turns, there's no way to like rebolster it. So with cryptocurrencies, this is very new technology. And it seems like as with Luna, it can become worthless. But you're explaining that that's not necessarily true for stocks for companies that actually do things like PayPal, AMC, GameStop. These are businesses that run a business. But what about those companies that are really tied closely to cryptocurrency and to the meme stock trend like Coinbase and Robinhood? Are these companies in real trouble? Could they just disappear kind of like companies disappeared at the end of the 90s? I mean, they're having a bad time right now. And like bankruptcy is always possible for any company. Like I want to be clear, the possibility of going to zero is is there for any risk asset. That's why it's a risk asset, right? Well, with everything that's been happening in the past couple of years, the real rise of crypto, fintech, meme stocks, all of this, it's been fascinating to watch. But does it seem like investing from here might return to some kind of pre-pandemic normal once the market calms down? Or is weirdness in the stock market here to stay? Boy, I really think the weirdness is here to stay. Like the thing underlying a lot of this stuff is a crisis in faith in our financial institutions following 2008. Like that's what Bitcoin came from pretty clearly. And I haven't seen enough changes to how traditional finance works to make people feel like that's worth trusting again, that bankers have our best interests in mind. In fact, I've seen a lot of reasons not to believe that's true. So 
What happens next is really anyone's guess. There's a possibility of crypto regulation, which could change things. But beyond that, I don't know. You know, we've had this period of relative hopefulness that has now turned. And so it's interesting to see how this is going to shake out. But if you're familiar with the history of private currencies in the U.S., you kind of know where this is going. And it's not really going anywhere good. Today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon and engineered by Melissa Ponce from Hemlock Creek Productions. I'm Adam Clark Estes. Thanks for listening. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.